0: Uh, boost! Hello and welcome to Striker Chat with me, Stephen Stryker. Joined down the line by David Striker. How are you doing, Dave? Not bad at all. How are you, Stryker Chicken? <laughs> yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's the number one topic everyone's talking about, it, so we might as well get straight into that, Dave. Do Huddersfield Town need a striker after that 2-1 defeat to Bristol City?
1: Well, th- there's no denying that they weren't clinical enough. Campbell was guilty of missing a couple of real guilt edge chances that you need a striker to um, to score but at the same time there are other players missed chances too um, mm. the, the sort of the lack of cutting edges so it's like it's nothing new anybody who's listened to this podcast at all knows one of the things we both roll our eyes when we have to talk about is the lack of cutting edge because it's finding a new way to say the same thing really that they're just not anywhere near clinical enough but that I, I think rather than focusing on do town need a striker, I think it's probably better to focus on the fact they put together a very impressive forty five minutes in the second half. Um yeah. after three very disappointing forty five minutes, I would argue.
0: Yeah, we'll 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 put a pin in the striker chat, we'll come back to that later. But yeah, I mean they created they had as many shots in the second half against Bristol City as they had managed in the three previous games combined mm. their XG was pretty much bang on, it was a slightly behind, a fraction behind but pretty much, otherwise pretty much bang on what it had been for the three previous games combined. I know that there's the big fat caveat in there which is that Bristol City were 2-0 up, they could afford to absorb the pressure to a certain extent but I think even taking that into account town absolutely blitzed them and I can tell you that the, the reaction from the local journalist which is obviously 90% of the press box at the moment with no uh, BBC Radio leads there Was Bristol were really, really lucky to get out of that with the They couldn't get out of their own half. No. They they
1: couldn't. I think what... what, I hope... uh, I I wasn't there last night. I had to watch it on on a screen like everyone else. But did there seem to be more of a sense of actually trying to get into pockets of space, like deliberately to yeah. try and break those lines and get in? Because the Millwall game, which again we'll we'll have we'll talk slightly more on. You were sat behind me and watched me absolutely tearing my hair <laughs> out at them. Yeah, at, as that invested neutral in me nearly burst into fanship. But they, they really needed to change that. And it's very, very difficult watching it on a screen to sort of get a proper tactical sense of that.
0: Yeah, they, they were completely different. They they were actually trying to, they were trying different things. I thought Lewis O'Brien was much, much better. That was his best performance of the season. Uh, in my eyes, he was taking players on, he was tackling. It was, it was like watching Lewis O'Brien of last season. And just on the ball in general in attack town were just so much better. They were so much, you know, against Millwall, it was up the wing, back to the centre circle, pass it between the centre backs, back up the wings, back to the centre backs, pass it around, back up the wings. Oh, we can't get through, back to the centre circle. It was just that all game, 86 minutes of that here they were behind obviously and we'll talk on the defense later but they were behind but they were trying different things they were you know they'd go up the wing and sometimes they'd try the one-two to get Toffolo in behind sometimes Aaron's would try and take people on Toffolo was coming out to the right wing to try and create space and and drag people away and Benza was going out to the left in in response Bakuna was getting into the box well I thought Bakuna had another good game and deserved his goal um so they were actually trying different things. They weren't just trying the same passing move again and again and finding they weren't getting anywhere. They were actually willing to take risks, and they looked so much better because of it. And they they richly deserved the goal they got. They should have got another one. Fraser Campbell, as I say, missed at least one sitter they had. Uh, Alex Alejo had a shot tipped onto the bar or... or headed onto the bar, um, and then he hit the bar again in the second half with a long-range shot. Janidia Bakuna had one turned over. Really, uh, so Brian had one tipped onto the post. I think Fraser Campbell hit the post late on. It was just one of those gains. And I think if If that wasn't it's it's weird to say, but if town if that wasn't town's fifth defeat in a row and fourth in a row in the league, then you'd be coming away from that saying it's unbelievable they they didn't get a win there. Oh well, one of those things. But I think it's obviously you can't ignore that context. You can't ignore the fact that they've still not got a win in twenty twenty one. They've not got a point in twenty twenty one. And you know they they needed one here. They needed at least a point, I think, to to at least get a bit more confidence in. But they can definitely take heart from that performance. And that the the Millwall and you touch on being invested neutrals there. The Millwall and the Watford games. I came away from those games feeling it's so empty, particularly the Watford game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like ugh, like what what do you even say about a performance like that where they've been so unambitious and. I know that there were a lot of injuries which were mitigation and Watford were a very good team. We played well, but you just that drive home was was miserable
1: they they were insipid that was the thing against Watford they they just yeah. they offered nothing and then the problem was against Millwall that all all they were up against was just a team that just held their shape really well so they mm. they you know moved their moved a midfielder into the 10 position but to be like a pressing forward rather than an actual creative 10 and then just got back into two lines of four basically and Town just had no answer for it and they didn't what was so frustrating, what was driving me up the wall, as you saw, Steve, was that they they weren't even trying anything. They weren't trying to break lines, they were just it just constantly turning around and facing their own goal all the time. And I mean it was yeah. yeah, go
0: yeah. On. I mean it was when I looked at the stats after the Millwall game, the the number of touches and passes that Richard Keogh and Nabi Sarr had, it was absolutely ridiculous. They both had well over a hundred mm-hmm. um touches. They had I think about fifty was it fifty percent. When I looked at the stats of Town's um Town's passes, which is you know, you always expect the centre backs to have the highest number of passes, but it was it was ridiculous. Against Bristol it was more evenly spread. They would they town had about the same amount of possession, but those two both had about eighty passes each mm. and the midfield were much more involved. Um, I thought defensively Alex Vallejo left a lot to be desired, particularly uh, on the first goal. But the midfield looked a lot better than it has done and the wings looked a lot better than than they have done. I think we're seeing that Aarons is... You know, he's getting more and more minutes every game he plays and he's looking did sharper well on the goal. and sharper. Did very well yeah, on the he, goal, I thought. he did really well on the goal. Yeah. I mean not everything he did was perfect, not everything came off, but with wingers that's fine. Like you, you want them to just be taking risks. Yeah. And if, if sort of one in three comes off, then that's pretty good going. So Um, Yeah, he he got past his men to get into the box on the goal and Benzer obviously makes a big difference. He was available to start for the first time since the Reading game. They just looked a lot better and as i say it's it's just unfortunate that you've got those two really glaring defensive errors that ruined what would otherwise have been a, an absolute walkover victory
1: yeah i think we i think it's important though that we're giving them a lot of praise for that second half but yet again this team is yet to put a 90 minutes together the 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 away game at millwall was was close but i wouldn't say was a complete performance and this was 45 minutes in the context of being two 0 down and literally having nothing to lose because you may as well lose 4-0 as not have a go um, so I think as as much praise as we're giving them we need to just be a bit careful because in the first half they started typically townish which is, is okay decent passing decent level of possession but very little sort of cut and thrust and then they find themselves 2-0 down in, in you know what was it? it Was four minutes between the goals was it something like yeah, that yeah three
0: four minutes something like that yeah and
1: both goals are so preventable <laughs> mm. so preventable the first goal I'm, I must have watched it I must have watched that pass about 15 times to try and work out how he could play it between four players essentially and not one of them do the the thing they needed to do which was literally just step across yeah it, it was like it happens in slow motion have you watched it back
0: yeah I watched it on the day at half time um, I got it all up- on i follow and yeah just no one just seems alert to it at all again no. it's like a FIFA glitch like it's like it's like it just you selected the wrong through. player yeah yeah. and and this is why I highlight Vallejo because he, he has the opportunity and this isn't the first time he's done this and I think it's probably just a lack of match sharpness but he's or, or just not being used to the pace of the championship or whatever it might be hopefully it's that because the alternative is he's just not very yeah. good at defending but he, he has the opportunity to just step across and just, just put his foot on the ball and the mm. move's dead and and he just sort of almost makes half an effort to sort of almost it, sort of dangle a leg towards it. It's and it like he gets a shout, past. but I've
1: yeah. I've watched it a few times to because I didn't know if he did get a shout, and I was going to say you know absolutely fair enough, but there's no shout on the audio that I can hear. Um And no,
0: we we thought he looked offside, but Corbrand said and Benzer was playing him on. Was that was that correct? I, I wasn't able. Yeah, to... I
1: didn't think he was offside. I didn't okay. think he was offside. I mean. The thing about Dadio, like, I've had to admit my love for him on Andy Takes That Chance, and I've talked about him on this podcast before. He's, he's, I think he's probably my favourite striker in the championship and he is basically he's either a nine out of ten or a one out of ten and there shall be no in between <laughs> but when he's good he can do things that no other player on the pitch can but yesterday i don't think he could believe his luck really because the ball comes through to him in slow motion and then i think schofield racing out to the edge of the box was exactly the right thing to do but unfortunately it it also that that one dummy just left him completely high and dry yeah. you know there was there was absolutely nothing he could do and i do wonder if if a keeper with Two hundred league games behind him may have just decided to take up a different position there. I'm not a goalkeeping analyst, so I don't know. Um,
0: Yeah, I I think if he'd been a couple of steps back, he might have been in a position to try and at least dive at his feet and try and win the ball as he went mm -hmm. past him. Uh, Is the only criticism I would have. But I mean, he was clean through one on one. Yeah, you'd if the striker doesn't score from there, he's he's. Screwed it up really, so I'm not I'm not inclined to go too hard on to go for the No, point.
1: and the the errors in that goal come before it gets to the point where he's one on one. You know, they they like mm. you just said it 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 just rolls between a sort of mass of players, all of them sort of looking at each other, but then the second goal I don't I, like. <sighs> I really try not to sort of pick on individuals on this podcast and have a go. And we look analytically, and we we do look for the caveats, and we look for for reasons why. I don't know what Nabisar's is trying to do there. I don't know if he's trying to bring him down, if he's trying to body check him, if he's trying to leave. I've n- I, 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 mm-hmm. no idea how he's trying to pick him up on that goal at all. Whatever he's doing doesn't work. <laughs>
0: yeah he just he loses him and this is i'm sorry to those who've read the five conclusions and who the the six of you that read the tactical piece that touched on it before then but um, there is um the town have a problem around the corners of the box um and it's something i was looking for something else i was looking for where their defensive line was Mm. a few weeks ago when i was looking at some of the goals that they've conceded in different match situations but the one consistent thing is those corners of the box are a, a problem for them if a player either comes from the wing or goes out to the wing sort of around... 20 yards from goal that it, it quite often gets lost whether it's meant to be the full back picking him up or the centre back picking him up and we saw a bit of that confusion again so I think Tsar sort of punts it in the air, gets it half clear and Jeju is um, is Toffolo's man at that point but Toffolo basically hands him back because he's he's meant to be Sar's man there mm-hmm. when the ball comes back towards the town goal, he's he's Sar's man and Sar just isn't alert to the fact that he's there at all uh. he just completely switches off and by the time he realises that that has got him behind him it's it's way too late he's he's through basically one-on-one with Schofield again it's a great finish to be fair finds the the far bottom corner but yeah I mean it is a an issue Nabi Sarr I think and sort of the the comment we've made before is if he didn't have this sort of trait this this constant shooting himself in the foot every sort of two or three games then he'd be playing at a much higher level and and you almost have to accept it to an extent um but I don't know. I think even then that is that is a a a poor error
1: i i wonder this consistent problem i think if you the way town play with their their fullbacks largely playing sort of five to ten yards higher than their center backs at nearly every opportunity and vallejo not being jonathan hogg and jonathan hogg is playing five or ten yards further up the pitch than he has been doing i do wonder if it's just defenders who think coming out to the edge of the box like that is a big call because they're worried about the space in behind So... I do wonder if, particularly with someone like Edmunds Green, you know, who's a young defender, it's a big call to just come charging out, knowing you're leaving a six by six square behind you for mm-hmm. anyone, you know, any midfielder who fancies it to just jog into. So I, I, sort of get it, but defensively, this is really starting to cost them. I mean, we've already we've spoken a little bit about strikes, and we'll go back to it. But most goals conceded in the division is that now.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, most of the teams in the division have games in hand on town. I think there's only a few teams that have played as many as 26 games at time of recording. Um, So on a goals per game basis, they're not quite the worst, but that's not exactly high praise. You know, they've Mm -hmm. conceded two goals in four of the last six games. um, And you know, th- this is the thing that's sort of bothering me a bit with the, the the striker chat and people saying, well, sign a striker, sign a striker is... I get it. I, I understand where that impulse comes from, but they've got four or five other problems that they can solve that would make their need for the striker so much less. And I think people have almost bought into the idea that, well, this is a team, they play attacking football, they're going to concede goals. Like, that's a fact of life. So we need a striker who's going to finish better. And it's something that we've sort of talked about before and there is something in that in that they they do need to create chances more regularly. I mean they did a great job of it here but um generally speaking they they've struggled to create chances on a consistent basis this season. They've had it here or there but but not often enough. But when you concede in two goals as often as they are, you know that's 12 times this season I think that they've conceded at least twice. You can't you can't have those kinds of numbers
1: yeah you can't score three goals 12 times to win a, just to win a game no that's, and that's no. unrealistic it, even with I mean put Buddy Edison Cavani up front for them yeah. and it, it's not it's not making a dent in that
0: this is it and, and people seem to think well it's attacking style so they're going to concede goals but I mean Leeds had the best defence in the division last year you know mm. the one that people always cite is oh it's, it's, it's as you know Dave a massive myth but the Newcastle United 95-96 mm-hmm. it's like well they still conceded less than a goal a game like they weren't actually that bad defensively um and you're just making your life so much harder but i I understand it though, because the the issue is that talking about marking on the corner of the box just isn't a very exciting way of finding a solution to, to the problem, and it's much it's much uh, more exciting to say, well, we need a, a number nine, and you know, I, I get that because there's plenty of strikers and centre forwards that I've uh, you know adored over the years as a fan, uh, Fernando Torres when he was good, yeah, but no no, no kid
1: ever no kid ever grows up wanting to be a central defender, you know, no. like no no kid is ever going out there in full kit hoping Well you
0: think see... they're sub you think they're subhuman scum Dave, you're on the record of saying that.
1: Yeah goalkeeper's defender scum subhuman scum. Um but that's the striker in me talking. Um <laughs> but I just I, that that lack of a cutting edge though is costing them. But the, the it's the combination of the two and you have to one I think is easier to sort than the other. I mean defensively I think it go a long way just to basically play the same four for five games in a row so they can yeah. develop some sort of understanding because now we've introduced Vallejo into that sort of defensive mix because obviously he drops in to split the centre-backs after Hoggy's injury we've got Keogh now as well we've had Edmonds Green, we've been through every defender in the club and every partnership we can mm-hmm. possibly have at this point of the season including Critchlow it would go a long way just to have a settled back four uh, yeah. for five or six games and just let play is play next to each other and and learn from that. I think my issue with Keo and Sar playing together is that I'm not sure they're a great partnership. So I'm not sure that's the one longer term. But it looks to be the one for right now. So maybe the thing to do is just persist for another two or three games. And if well, they're going to
0: have to, to be honest, yeah, because of the injuries they've got. So. And
1: if but the thing is when they get players back from injury, if they manage to sort this and they manage to get back on an even keel and stop conceding two goals a game, then you have to just, regardless of what a lot of people think of Richard Keogh, you have to just sort of take that on the chin and just leave it be. You can't go, you can't regress from there. And then you can look at some of the other problems. But the other side of the whole striker issue is that it, it's January and people think, oh, well the transfer window is open, you can yeah. just go and buy one. Who's available? Who? Yeah. Uh, who's available right now for proper money so not ridiculously inflated who is can come in and hit the ground running you know tried tested it's going to cure all the problems they're just the very few out there there's a couple of of teams out there who are fairly desperate for a striker who are struggling at the moment and mm-hmm. i think when you got aarons you got in ben's uh You've got options, you've got Coroma will be back before the end of the season, you've got Ward, who we hope is going to be in a better place as time goes on. I just, it's not that it's not a priority, but they've got to sort that defensive line out. They really, I really think, have.
0: I think it's the number one priority for the summer, and you you touched on Danny Ward there, it's worth saying, Campbell was meant to be the second choice striker coming into this season from yeah. what I understand. You know, they, they had hopes that Ward was going to be their starting number nine, so it's and unfortunately he's had constant injury problems Danny Ward he's not expected to be out for long with this one they're hoping he's going to be back for the weekend um, but I mean I think we can't I'm not going to trot out the stats about Danny Ward at Cardiff again because until he starts doing it for, for town no one's going to care um, and he needs to just start playing regularly um, to start with I would say I would back him to to put home a couple of those chances that, that Fraser Campbell's missed um, and obviously there's also the fact that that Campbell missed that penalty um, mm. last week which does Doesn't help, you know that that it happens. As far as I can tell, Campbell hasn't taken penalties for years. He hasn't taken one for a long, long time. Um, I think his last one, as far as I can make out, was at Sunderland um, about twelve years ago. Um, But. At least, as far as I can find on the internet, because records for the lower lower divisions for penalties are a bit bit patchy. So, if someone can correct me on that, then then feel free. But as Cor- you know, as Carlos pointed out, you know, Barcelona missed two penalties against a second division team in the Copa mm. del Rey last week. It happens, but I think it's obviously when you've got that pile up and it's and it's happening the week before he then goes and misses two really really good chances. It 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 isn't a good look for. A striker who the fans were already not sort of completely convinced on, and are now, well, actually are now completely convinced on but unfortunately it's convinced in a negative way. I think it's probably the top priority for the summer is is getting a striker but I just think for this is the thing is as you talked about last week Dave fans don't have to be realistic about anything and it would be it would be great if they could go and sign a striker who's going to score 12 goals before the end of the season. But in our position in my position I have to think about what's actually realistic, what's likely to happen and and how do they find solutions uh, beyond that, and I think this is the piece I wrote today and people are sort of giving me stick for it, but there, there are three or four things that you can do on the training ground without spending a penny, and if you get them right you win far more games than you're doing at the moment, because you don't need to score three goals every week. So,
1: And this is it, I mean I... I don't, this will shock you, Steve, but I don't work in town's recruitment department. Um, But if I did, (laughs) if I did, I could go and get you a list of 25 strikers who could come in and make a big difference, but then refine that list down to who's available and it's suddenly probably halves or less. Then refine it down to who can town actually afford to pay for without massively overpaying on wages and transfer fee because it's January. And you've probably taken it down to about maybe two three names and from those two three names then you'd look at who could potentially come in and hit the ground running because if you're going to do it right now you need somebody who comes in and scores straight away who is ready to play 90 minutes twice a week and who can make a real difference and there's probably no one because you know there's 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 a couple of league one strikers i like there's a couple of league two strikers i like you know i like luke jetcott at plymouth a lot i think he's a i think he's a great player but if town went and bought him tomorrow the first thing carlos would have to do is train him and get half a stone off him and get him ready to play 108 minutes in the championship in in eight days so there, there really is like in terms of the options of who can come in and just make an instant difference there's there's not loads and loads and with brexit now making it very very complicated to just go and pillage someone from abroad as well if you had somebody sort of cheap lined up who some hidden gem that you think nobody knows about that's not easy to do any more either so it's just it's an incredibly complicated part of the puzzle to solve really a striker at this point so you've got to look at right where's easier okay let's stop conceding goals let's try and give the goalkeeper a bit more protection let's let's decide if Vallejo is the man for that position going forward I'm not totally convinced. I actually think he looks quite good when passing forward if I'm honest. Yeah he I does yeah he, it's uh, just
0: the defensive side I'm less convinced. Yeah though.
1: the defensive <laughs> side he doesn't look comfortable to me dropping in. But the other thing I would say about that midfield is I, I don't think it's a massive surprise that Lewis O'Brien has suddenly put in his best game and I thought that was Janino Bakuna's best game for a long yeah. time as well two days after they've signed or a day after they've signed a central midfielder, I think that idea of competition helps an awful lot and goes a long way and Alex Pritchard, for better or for worse... It's not giving anyone in that first eleven competition for their place. So, I think that's healthy. If they can get that defence sorted, get that Holmes-O'Brien, Bacuna, Hogg, Vallejo, midfield mix sorted, play, they've got Aarons, they will have Grant coming back to, to give a go, they've got Mbenza, they're going to have for before the end of the season, hopefully give Ward a run in a side that's set up to help him, rather than, uh, you know look at the games Ward's come into and it's been... The very first game against Rochdale when he got injured, Bournemouth when it was a fairly scratched team that we've all had our say on, and then when they played a system a 4-4-2 that they'd never played before out the blue, and he just neither striker got on the ball. It would be good to see Ward given in a run around a team that want to get him on the wall and and you know help him out. And then it's a different ball game, but I get it. I get why people just think you can put a striker into that team and instantly it stops them conceding goals. It's Just, it's a football fan thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. The other thing that I think it's worth mentioning on the, the striker thing is another sort of tactical note, which we talked about. I asked Carlos last week how how he gets the best out of Luis O'Brien again after you know he, he was so good last season and then dipped this year. And how does he get the best out of Harry Toffolo, who was creating loads and loads of chances. I think it was 1.75 chances per game over the first dozen games of the season. And then over the previous 12, before the Bristol City game, that had dropped to sort of half a chance per game. So... How do you get the best out of him? And it's not just, we always talk about how opposition uh, players of have, have, and opposition analysts have, have sussed that Town like to go up that left-hand side. But Goulbrandt also pointed out, well, we've got Rolando Warens playing there now. He's a left-footed winger, where the last sort of 18 months we've been playing a right-footed winger, whether mm-hmm. that's Carlyne Grant or Josh Caroma. And it changes, that one small change, changes everything about the team dynamic and how that flank links up I thought that as we've mentioned Aaron's looked a lot better against Bristol City and he's going to take time personally but also just systematically it's going to take time to to work around that I think that was the most that's why we're sort of taking so much heart and being quite positive at at the very top of this podcast was because at least now we're starting to see signs that those relationships are forming and that is hope for the future but this is the other thing is that and this is the argument that we made in the summer for why we felt they didn't need to prioritise a striker especially highly then was that well they needed wingers because they weren't creating chances for the strikers to score now obviously Bristol City they have created those chances and the strikers not scored them and that changes the conversation Um, However, I would say before the Bristol City game, Fraser Campbell was scoring about as many goals as you would have expected. His XG was 5.2, I think, and he'd scored five. Hmm. So, you know, he was was putting away the chances they were creating for him. But this is a town team that has relied on its left wingers for goals over the last 18 months. And that takes time to adapt to.
1: If I can put the fans point across, though, here, like we're being completely rational and analytic about it, but it is important to remember that in the summer, they need to recruit, they need to get themselves a man who can do both, Steve, which is that man who can be a pressing forward and tie up a, a, a back two all on his own like Campbell does but also get the goals and be more clinical and I said to you on, on WhatsApp earlier he's completely unattainable for town but the model of player you want really is, is Alexander Mitrovic who was absolutely brilliant for Fulham in the Championship at pressing harrying set you know really doing the terrier stuff sometimes he'd go too far but that's just the makeup of the man and i would suggest if he played for your club you would absolutely adore him for that (laughs) But he also got the goals and not just penalties either. You know, he scored a hell of a lot from open play. So the, the options are out there and they do they do exist. And I think from the fans' point of view, they would like Fraser Campbell to be everything mm. possible. And it's just, it's not going to happen because Fraser Campbell is, is closer to the sunset of his career than the dawn. And what he does, he does really, really well. But there is... a a limit to that you know he he just he can't it's not that I don't think he's capable of scoring more or anything like that but I just don't think he can do he can play three times in a fortnight in this role doing everything he does and you can get much more out of him I think Town are sort of milking near on the maximum out of him to be honest
0: Mm. I, I know you're just using an archetype in the same way that we always sort of refer to Liverpool to make points but Alexander Mitrovic did cost twenty seven million pounds. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh no, that's what I mean. It's completely unattainable for Town. But yeah, uh, what I'm saying is, from the fans' point of view, is they're looking and they know that they model of that, player exists. Yeah. The, that that
0: the, the what I th- I think what they really really want, especially, is we've seen players like Lucas Shaw, yeah. and Farah Jeju, and um, yeah. uh. uh Dominic Solanke, another player who cost millions. But we've seen those players just make goals out of nothing. Just,
1: yeah, take take the game away from Town completely. I mean, yeah. Lucas Schaul completely, I mean, it, virtually on his own, just took the game from them.
0: So yeah. Town wouldn't have lost that game against Reading if he hadn't played. No. Town wouldn't have lost the game against Bristol City if, if... Well, no, they probably would have done, actually, the chances they gave up, to be honest. But Jeju took them well, you know. And, and yeah, so I, I, I do get it, but... Yeah, it's uh, it is what it is. As I say, I just think there's there's other games that you can make that w- that make probably an even bigger impact and that are actually doable. Yeah. Um is, is the point. But But it's doable yeah. in
1: the summer, Steve. That recruitment department this is you're it. exactly right. They should have they should be looking for those gems who they think can do that job for them and who are attainable
0: I, I wonder whether they might have their sights on Josh Karoma doing that to be honest because he has been that player, he's been the player that scored goals for them out of nothing Um, you know you think about Middlesbrough or you think about Swansea but undeniably
1: his best work has always come from the left, whenever we've seen him centrally, yeah. I know he might move there eventually but we're talking about town needing the player for to start next season there and be ready to do it and established and Again, that's a player who I think, although we all like him, you know, we we all like him an awful lot. Does that happen at town or does he stay out on the left where he actually makes a difference as is?
0: And and if he does stay on the left and is scoring goals, then again, it goes back to, well, do they need a striker who's going to score 20 Mm. goals a season? If they've got a left winger who's going to score 20 goals a season. Carl and Grant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Yeah, the these are the questions they need to work out. Um but yeah, I mean I would I would definitely put it top of the top of the list. Bloody yeah, we've milked the, the striker thing here, haven't we, Dave? It really was striker chat. Um But I mean it is all joking aside, five defeats in a row if you count the FA Cup, um which I'm pretty sure people do. Um and that's not great. Are you concerned about where Towns stand at the moment? Yeah.
1: Um, they The away form is, is is pretty rancid at the moment and they need to arrest that fairly quickly. Um, they, they're lucky this season in that that gap it's still 11 points to, to get in anywhere near being in any sort of trouble and i don't i don't think they will be i think we we're both fairly certain between us that they they're going to finish lower lower to middle mid table um without yeah. too much of a without too much drama and we both need to be careful because we have repeatedly said that will be absolutely fine you know that's that's that sort of season is absolutely fine but at the same time they can't keep conceding goals like this and you can't keep losing games like this where The Watford and the Millwall games were were really demoralising. You know, you were flat after it, I was flat after it, and we're not fans, you know, we are invested neutrals. So it didn't take much of a look around Twitter to see what the fan base felt about it. Last night, I think a lot of people felt a lot better about it, but there was still, there's still a lot of worry. I'm not worried about them from relegation point of view. I'm worried that they need to rally and finish the season in a better place than they are right now because what Huddersfield Town have done historically is they often suffer from hangovers so they will often take one season into the next season and really this summer needs to be a bit of a reset because they're going to get the final they're going to get that wage bill down to where they're more comfortable with it they've got to recycle a lot of that squad and decide what they're doing, there's going to be a yeah. decent level of recruitment. They really need to finish the season in a better place, better runner form, just better mentally everyone, so that they can start next season on the front foot and get into a, a good place early on, because it's very, very easy for Huddersfield Town as a club to, to suffer long term, so they need to just arrest it from that point of view. I don't think they're going to be in relegation trouble, Steve, I really don't, just more than anything by virtue I just think there's far worse teams than them in this league. I don't I don't know what your opinion is on it having seen a lot of championship football, but I don't think this is a great championship
0: this year. No, I mean Derby are in trouble. Um I know they've just appointed Wayne Rooney and they've had a, a little bit of a bounce, but but they they've got a lot of issues off the pitch. Obviously Sheffield Wednesday have been struggling. Uh Wickham don't look any great shakes. Um so yeah, there's there's a few teams down there and I think this is the sort of the thing I've, I've repeatedly said, sort of since that that game, uh, the Bristol City game. Is I think if they play like that the rest of the season, including the mistakes, they probably go back to what they were doing before Christmas, which is win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, and that's that's fine. That'll that'll see them more than safe. Um, I, I agree with you. I'm not. I'm still not too concerned about relegation. If that had been another performance like Watford and Millwall, then I I would be starting to think otherwise. But I think that that performance has sort of borne out what we were saying about having players back from injury and what a big difference it would make to have Aaron's up to speed and, and Bent are back in the side and you know, all of these things. Dwayne Holmes is obviously now going to come in as well. And, and we've not even talked about him, but I really, really like the look of that siding. Uh he's he's brought he, he's gonna bring a lot of um drive from the midfield. He, he loves to carry the ball. He loves to, he's one of the best central midfield dribble I mean he was his his dribble completion rate last season was better than Emil Smith Rose. Um mm-hmm. you know, he was he was one of the best in the championship at it. So um and he's He's tenacious in the tackle. He's he's quite a similar player to to Lewis O'Brien, but just sort of a slightly more mature uh, Lewis O'Brien. Obviously, being 26, he's he's four years older. He's had that little bit more experience. So, he could make a a big difference. He's a good option to have. Uh, And uh i think bakuna's return to form could be ah, bloody hell this is famous last words because we've we've hyped him up before and then been disappointed but we know that bakuna is a player who thrives on confidence and i think having got that goal you could well see him go on a little bit of a a runner goal scoring form now Mm. um because that traditionally has been how he has been um and it's been really good i mean we talked over christmas about the fact that his gps stats had been a lot better he was um objectively starting to work a lot harder um on and off the ball and he's starting to see the rewards of that He that got him doing that the start of that got him up to being sort of a you know worth his place in the side and Mm -hmm. I think hopefully that Bristol City performance is the start of him actually going on a good run of form and as you say Dwayne Holmes coming in is that extra level of competition so but I think
1: this league though it doesn't when I say about getting themselves in a better place it it doesn't take much I mean if you look at this league now if they'd have turned two draws into wins they'd be 12 and we'd all be saying regardless well that's that's a brilliant performance with you know because fans fans can't have it both ways they can't perpetually say that the squad is too thin and etc but then say you know we're not high enough up etc and not celebrate the success so they're not far off it's like I just I just feel like it's fine tuning it's getting that defence to yeah. stop conceding getting that midfield a midfield three that they're comfortable with and just having a settled 11 Aaron's is going to break down with a muscle injury at some point in the next few weeks because he's never played five games in a row in his professional career and he's adapting to a new training regime but apart from that they need to really sort of keep like eight names the same on the team sheet and just try and get a try and get some consistency going I don't think they need to worry too much about what's below them, I think the the teams you mentioned, I think Wickham and, and, and Wednesday are going to do very very well to get out of the position they're in um, Rotherham I don't think have got any goals in them whatsoever, and then you've got that sort of Derby Forest Birmingham are the ones I would keep an eye on because I think they are absolutely rotten Birmingham, I think right. they... Which
0: which means they're going to plan for the playoffs now if your yeah. uh, record yeah, if with Wigan last year is anything to go about.
1: anything like the Wigan law. Um, so I, I don't think they need to look too too worried over their shoulder, but it, it's just, I, I feel like mentally they need to get 90 minutes put together so that the fans and everybody else can come away and say, yeah, do you know what? We can still see where the project's going. We can still see the benefit to all this. We can still see that we're turning sterile possession into something better something more because that's where they've been before but it's a big couple of weeks coming up i think because stoke at home is is a horrible game in my honest opinion because stoke are just a complete like who knows what you're going to get out of stoke when they turn up they may be absolutely brilliant they may be absolutely turgid they're they're a really odd side but then you've got that Luton away game and Luton are a decent side on a decent run as well yeah, so yeah
0: solid solid team aren't they Luton what
1: you don't want to do is turn five losses into 7 8 or 9 then it mm. does feel like a proper yes yeah a proper that's, side. that's when we
0: we'll worry i th- i said before the Bristol City game if they get 3 points from Bristol City Stoke and Luton then that's good going that'll be fine yeah. I still feel, I still feel that way it now means unfortunately they need to win one of those games against Stoke or Luton um but again I feel like if they play like they did against Bristol City they will win one of those games I think but we're back to coin flip territory again
1: They've got to do it from the first minute they've they've yeah. got to do it like they can't be constantly stung into action they've got a sooner or later you've got to play a game on your own terms they they,
0: to... they did they did go through a good run of scoring early throughout Throughout December in particular, they made a really good habit out of scoring those early goals. But we were tearing our
1: hair out because they never built on it and Mm. they were lucky in a couple of games to come away with the points they've got and they lost leads in other games. You've got to put together a controlled 90 minutes with a proper game plan where your game management works and they've got Stoke at home, Luton away, Wickham at home, which they they have have to to win. win There can be no excuse there. Then Middlesbrough away and Swansea at home. And that is as as fixtures go, that's a tough five games are in the Wickham game but that becomes tough in and of itself because they have to win it you know they can't Mm. anything less than three points is is sort of recognisable failure so it's a a tough spell this it's a tough run it's a tough run and they need to just get themselves turned back round and face in the right way Um, if we're still talking about them losing after that Wickham game then we're going to have to have a different conversation I think but I, I, I feel like they will pick up three points from Stoke or Luton. If they if they build on that forty five minutes and they add homes into the mix and they're drilling on themselves on the training ground in terms of defensive shape, it it's got to turn for them. It has to.
0: Yeah, completely agree with that. Brilliant. Do we have anything else to go through, Dave? No. Cool. Right. Short and sweet. I feel like again another fruitcake of an episode nice and dense i think we packed in quite a lot into a short spell there thanks for joining me as usual dave where can people get you on the twitters
1: uh at david hartrick which is h-a-r-t-r-i-c-k just so you know i don't like fruitcake do you I not think it's, no i think it's absolutely mean it's just currants and crumbs both of which are a waste of
0: time <laughs> this does not surprise me at all i if you put raisins or currants in something i'm all over it like cannot get enough of them my wife accidentally bought like five bags of raisins uh in november and i think i got through them all like Big kilogram bags as well. I think I got through them all in about a month. So, yeah. I just uh, cake is supposed to be a treat. Don't put fruit in treats, <laughs> maniacs. Brilliant stuff. Uh, have you got a book coming out, Dave?
1: I have, and you will hear all about it because I will be plugging it relentlessly. But yes, in June, my uh, book "Silver Linings," which looks at, starts by looking at the role of. Uh, being the England manager and how it was created, but then specifically looks at Bobby Robson's time in charge and goes year by year through his treatment by the press and missing out on euro 84 and going to mexico 86 don't know if you remember but a bit happened at that tournament uh and then the sort of remarkable failure of euro 88 and then the high point of italia 90 so yeah it's not out till june but you can go on waterstones and amazon and everywhere else and pre-order it if you want
0: magic i would highly recommend that you do brilliant thanks for joining us everyone we will see you next time goodbye goodbye